Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Well, hello, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Seven Figure Millennials podcast, where it is my job to uncover the winning strategies that will help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And before we dive into today's show, I wanted to give a pre-show listener shout out to Amber J3213, who left a review on iTunes and said, took a listen to the latest podcast and was truly inspired by Andre's story. Brandon does a brilliant job interviewing his guests. This is a great podcast for people of all ages to listen to. And I'm really glad I came across it. Fantastic work. So thank you so much, Amber J3213. And if you're listening to this right now and you haven't left a review yet, I would really appreciate it. Not only do I read every single episode or every single review, I might give you a shout out in a future episode, but it also helps other people to discover the show. But today we have actually two podcast guests, Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell. Brian has coached more than 20,000 athletes, including Olympic medalists, and founded one of the largest fitness and sports education organizations in the world. His wife, Carrie, was a clinical counselor for almost two decades, and today she's an international model training for the LA World Beauty Fitness and Fashion Competition, and when she was focused on powerlifting, she could squat about 300 pounds and boast a French uh, a French press, <laughs> a bench press in the neighborhood of 185 pounds at a body weight of 127 pounds, which is pretty crazy. And together, Brian and Carrie are a power couple, and they are some of the best people out there in the world of mindset training. And in this episode specifically, you will learn, one, how they went from being depressed and almost bankrupt to building an incredible successful business and being recognized as some of the leading mindset coaches in the world. Number two, their four-step process that you can use to destroy the unconscious narratives that are holding you back. And number three, how to accomplish your goals by modeling the way a hawk hunts. That was really cool insight that Brian shared. So we dive into that and so much more. So please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friends, Brian and Carrie. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Brian and Carrie, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thank you. 
So excited to have you guys here. And I don't know for everybody listening, if you look up Brian and Carrie in Google, I actually think the words power couple comes up. It's, it's right next to their name. Totally kidding. But <laughs> so when I met Brian and Carrie, these guys are absolutely incredible as you guys are going to hear, but I figured we'd start in a really fun spot. So I was on your guys' site before. And one of the titles that you have, it says how to depressed almost bankrupt, lonely self-help junkies tried everything and felt destined to be inferior to friends and colleagues until one quote from the founding father of analytical psychology, C.G. Young, smacked them out of it. So can we start from whatever the heck that means and what that quote was? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, first of all, let me say this. Carrie and I, for a long time, were, we were masters of the, of the face. Does that make sense? You'd never know that we were like, I had, I was actually, you know, diagnosed clinically depressed and although Carrie was not, you know, she, um, she was a, a people pleaser and, you in know, in an abusive relationship and, and put we both put on brave faces. You never would have known that about us. Um, but yes, the, the quote in question, and it is, it's a good one. And it's a really important one. I actually love that we're starting here. It's unless or until you make the unconscious conscious. It will control your life and you will call it fate. Mm. I mean, that is a stunning quote. And, you know, if you want, we can take a couple of seconds to unpack it in terms of what it means. Yeah, it's why it's so important. You, you want to? Okay, sorry. Yeah, let's unpack it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, here's, here's where, where we are. And this is a lot of what our business rotates around as well. Gary and I classically work in mindset, and we apply that in many different industries with a lot of different people, from entrepreneurs to athletes uh, and celebrities and everybody in between. And one of the fundamental things we teach right from the get-go is that, you know, the human brain and the human mind, first of all, are two different things. That's the first thing. And that they are incredibly interdependent. So one affects the other dramatically, and it's a very uh, cyclical relationship, meaning the human brain affects the mind, the mind affects the brain. They work in a tandem like that. And when you learn, when you learn that tandem, you learn that cycle, you can learn how to manipulate it to your favor. But the, the crux of that quote, what it's saying is very, very simple. We, in our unconscious mind, we have a narrative, we have a story. And that narrative and story is almost never positive. It's almost never affirmative. It's almost never aligned to what we say or think or even sometimes feel consciously. And unless or until we bring light to that shadow, the unconscious shadow, unless we learn what the unconscious is really saying when, when we don't think we're listening, unless we learn the skills and the tactics and the tools to do that, the unconscious will for ever win the fight. The unconscious will forever influence the human brain in terms of what the brain's perspective is, which will in turn influence our actions, habits, and behaviors. So we can set goals. We can say positive affirmations. We can create New Year's resolutions. We can do anything we want to get motivated and inspired. But the unconscious narrative will always win. It'll always bring us back to its narrative whether it takes two hours, two days, two weeks, or two months, we will self-sabotage. We will destroy our own efforts. We'll, we'll be our own worst enemy. So we have to make the unconscious narrative conscious. Mm. We have to learn what that unconscious narrative is. Once we learn it, we can change it. And once we change it, everything changes downstream. Yeah. Awesome. 
Can I add? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, you know how we roll, right? Um, actually, <laughs> you know, just at the top of this, before we, you know, we kind of dove in today, you kind of gave us the backdrop on seven figure millennials. Did I say that right? Are we, are we millennials? Um, I don't know. Am I a millennial? So the millennial age range is actually 1981 to 1996. So I think the youngest is 24 and the oldest is 39 right now. Oh, I'm for sure. For way out of there. <laughs> but, I, think, I think I'm Gen X. But you know, you were talking about the whole like, how do you build a seven figure business at the same time as health, wealth, and relationships and fitness are all in play, right? And and I'm, I'm not going off track of what Brian said, by the way, because I'm making a point. 10 years ago, when Brian and I came into business and a relationship together, one of the things that we kind of committed ourselves to was doing exactly what you just said. I was like, I want to build, I am not willing to build a successful business at the risk of my health, my fitness, my relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, you get hit with all these people saying to you, oh, that's not possible. Like you've got to let something go in order to build something else. Right. And I was just like, I don't believe it. And, and Brian and I have committed our last 11 years together in doing exactly that for ourselves. And, and, you know, you know us well enough to know our, you know, our athletic pursuits, our relationship pursuits, our parenting pursuits, our business pursuits. And honestly, that quote that Brian just, you know, beautifully described is the, the exact reason why we've been able to do that because we don't let anything sit unconsciously. We know our drivers, we know our behaviors and our actions and our language and, and what's aligning into to real life because we've taken the time to unpack that. So it just, yeah. it's a beautiful connection to the message that you're delivering to people. They, yeah, I love that. And it does fit very, very well. And I think it's funny because most of the times people think that the next level to growth is like a tactic. They're looking for that juicy thing that they can then but as a, then they can use. But what I realize more and more is that every single level, it's always about extra levels of clarity. It's always about extra levels of unpacking. So when you say making the unconscious conscious, what are some of the ways that you guys have de developed to help people to uncover those unconscious narratives that are controlling them and making it so that they can't get the outcomes that they want in their life? I love the question. I'm going to answer it. I just want to add one thing really fast. I love what you said. And I think that if I didn't take a moment to applaud you for that and say to your audience how true what you said is, I'd be doing a disservice. Karen and I have built, run, sold many successful businesses. It is not about tactics and strategies at all. And I can quantify it in one sentence. If you're truly aligned, it all works. Mm -hmm. If you're not, none of it works. So your whole point is spot on accurate in every way conceivable. Entrepreneurs, especially young ones, ask me all the time, you know, Brian, should I do Facebook ads? Um, should I do direct mail marketing? Uh, should I, should I, you know, do a dump and chase where it's, you know, I'm, I'm just connecting organically on social media. My answer is yes or no, because the real answer to what's going to be successful is what you're aligned to. And that is absolutely about unpacking the narrative. So you're spot on with your message. Before I keep going, you so want to say something. Yeah, well, you're going to go here, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So knowing where you're going to go with the next, the, our four pillars, which is Brian's going to start talking about. I actually want to give a really quick story to, to add to what Brian just said. You know, um, a couple of years ago, we were having a conversation with our friend, Ben Hardy. Um, you know, he's author of Willpower Doesn't Work, uh, Who Not How, a bunch of different books, right? And I remember he said to me, he said, you know, I'm so curious, like with, with building a business and everything else you guys have going on, he's like, 
how do you stay on top of it? How are you always growing and expanding? And my answer to him was really easy. I said, that's simple. We have the four pillars, which Brian's going to talk to you about right now. And we do them every 24 hours. It meaning like every 24 hours, we show up for ourselves in that mind expanding space, that personal development mindset self-awareness space and we do the work which means we're never like catching our tails because we're always ahead of the game on that yeah it's actually worth noting in line to what carrie you said brandon your original question that um you know we have two kids we have two teenagers we're both athletes carrie's a fitness competitor i'm a power lifter we we're both very ambitious with our athletics uh, and we own more than one business and you know it, it's that sounds daunting but the first schedule piece that goes into both of our agendas every day of every week is the first 90 minutes of our day are spent introspectively, quietly in our own journals, listening, feeling, ex- exploring our own thoughts and emotions. And then the second piece that goes into our own agendas is that every single afternoon we have a standing appointment with each other where we sit for not another 90 minutes and we talk about what we found, what we explored, what we felt in our own respective journals. So you think about the busyness of life. You have two kids, you're both athletes, you both run businesses, but it does draw a straight line to what you said about success and happiness is, is about the intangible things that nobody really wants to spend time on, but three hours a day are spent on those things in our world, and they've made all the difference. So with you want to say something? I, I I'm do, not going to let you. But I'm not going to. I'll come back to it. Was it was funny. I, so, was, I was prepping for this and I had all these questions, but I knew I only needed one to really start yeah. things off, but that's all I needed. So. <laughs> I know, but back to the question, like how did we discover? How did we make the unconscious conscious, right? So look, at, Gary and I have done, we've done the work for everybody. That's what we always phrase it as. We've been to every self-help seminar. We've read all the books. Um, you know, I have a doctorate in, in a spiritual, I have a doctorate in pastoral counseling, carries a licensed counselor. We've done it all. We've explored it all. We've learned it all. We've tried it all. And what we did is we took all of the science and all of the spiritual and we put it in a matrix. And we said, how do we distill this down to a couple of simple things that can become reproducible, that people can do every day? There's a tangibility to it. And we, we essentially coordinated or created something that we call the four pillars. These are the four things you need to do every single day. And they, they take no time at all if you don't want them to take time. Or you can immerse yourself in them for hours like we do and reap even greater benefits. But to answer your specific question about making the unconscious conscious, it's one of our four pillars. It's called learn your language. And it's, I mean, look, all four pillars are essential. They all are very interdependent. They work off of each other. But learn your language is the one pillar that really helps you deconstruct what you think you are. And that's a massively important thing. We, we qualify ourselves with identities and labels, what we're able to do, what we're not able to do, what we're good at, what we're not good at. None of that is actually true. It's just identities we're carrying that have, in most cases, been given to us. So learn your language is an opportunity to go inside and actually learn what you're saying to yourself on four different planes, okay? We learn our language with our internal dialogue. What are you actually saying to yourself every single day? And that's a lot of where my journal starts. I'll be very still and very quiet, and I'll just listen. I won't edit. I won't censor. 
I won't try to be positive or negative. I will just listen. What are my internal thoughts saying? What narrative am I carrying? And I'll start to write it down. Cathartically to get it out, but also to grow more aware of it. So that's the first language. The second one is your emotional profile. You know, the vast majority of people in the world live in a state that Carrie and I call, we call it low-grade anxiety. It's not bad enough to be diagnosed and it's not bad enough to medicate, but that that shouldn't be confused for it's normal. Right. It's not normal to be low-grade anxious. It's common, but it's not normal. So we want you to learn what your emotional profile is saying to you. The more intimately we understand our emotions and our thoughts, the more self-awareness we gain and the more we can start changing or transitioning the narrative. So that's number two. Number three is our actual behaviors. So a lot of people think they don't like doing things when in reality, they don't know that to be certain. They've just developed avoidance behaviors towards it. Mm. So how do you behave? And here's another example we use all the time. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. And now I'm saying like a cynical ass, but it's just so <laughs> funny when people claim they need a break from social media and where do they announce that on their Facebook on profile. <laughs> it just cracks me up every time I see it. But here's the thing. Facebook isn't your problem and you need to stop blaming Facebook. Nobody from Facebook head office is standing beside you at your desk with a gun to your head saying, scroll, scroll, waste your time, scroll. Nobody's doing that. You're doing that. And what we have found is that social media is getting the blame, but it's how we're using social media that's actually the problem. How do you behave every day? Where are you avoiding things? Uh, Where are you turning a blind eye to things? Uh, Where are you procrastinating? The more intimately we understand that, the better off we get. And then the last language is actually our physicality. Mm. This is one that science has proven this to be so true, and yet it still remains some kind of myth. For a lot of people, and just to hit you with some anecdote, we have had uh, professional athletes who have been burdened by knee pain for five years of their career, seen every orthopedic surgeon, every chiropractor, everybody, and the knee pain just won't go away. But working within our system for a matter of two months, the knee pain's gone. Because what we don't realize is that our negative thoughts and our non-serving emotions can actually create pain stimulators. We can create illness. We can create pain. We can create disease. We've seen it time and time again. So what we try to have people do is become very intimate of where they're holding pain, especially when their thoughts are negative or their emotions are non-serving. Because that, when you put all of that together, it becomes a roadmap for who you are. And here's the key. Most people are blind to themselves. They do not know themselves well. And this one exercise of learning your language can change all of that. I love that. I, I knew it was time for me to I know, Carrie, Carrie's, Carrie's yeah, getting ready to go. Okay. We've been just doing this for, we've been teaching this and living it for so long that this is what happens. You've heard us present, so you're familiar with that. You know, so what I want to add to that, because I think it's so important, and, and I'm just going to keep targeting the millennials from that, obviously, because that's who this is for, Right. So there's an interesting thing that happened in the generation that we live in. There are 
so many people, and by the way, the generation we lived in, we're 40, 42, 47. I can't do math that fast. Right? I'm 47. So we're in our 40s, right? Um, what happened is, is that there are currently a lot of people who are middle-aged who are claiming self-awareness. They're walking around in this, this, it's almost like this like mask of self-awareness. I, I'm self-aware, I'm self-aware. I know where I'm self-sabotaging, et cetera, et cetera. And it never seems to fail that when I like poke the bear a little bit, these people know nothing about themselves really and truly, right? And the reason I say that is because I really do believe that your generation are special and unique in the in the regard that they want to dive into I, stuff. I so like there, so there is something, it's almost like millennials have seen where our generation, you know, not us, but the rest of our generation mostly is. Everybody else. And they're countering it with like going into personal development in a very different way in a more in-depth, a more real, a more authentic way. And I, and I think that that allows you to harness this learning your language for really what it's worth, as opposed to just sugarcoating it, like, or, or, you know, kind of like skirting over the issue. Because a lot of people we know do do that. They're like, oh, I know my language. I know where I'm self-sabotaging, right? Why do I have to do that every day? And, and it's interesting because I wrote down the words, um, reading the book of self, that's how I love defining our four pillar work in our journaling process every day for collectively, like I mean, individually and collectively, we spend three hours together, right? In our journaling process, reading the book of ourselves. So every single day when I, when I learn my language, I'm learning more about me, which means I know how I'm driving and how I'm functioning and how I'm working. And, and the repetition process there means that yes, I'm learning it, in the morning in what I would consider a non-triggered state, most likely, right? I'm identifying where my, you know, my, my negative self-sabotage talk is, what I'm feeling during a given day, reflecting on the last 12 hours, maybe projecting forward and looking for like, where am I stressed? Where am I anxious, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm learning it in a non-triggered state. What happens on the repetition process of day in and day out is that you are bringing the unconscious conscious. So when you're in a triggered state, your, you know, your unconscious starts to kick in and is like, oh, wait a second. I don't have to panic. I don't have to freak out because you've taken the time to read that book of self mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis, if that makes yeah. sense. So this is a really great opportunity for millennials, I believe, to, to really embrace that, that, that desire to dig deeper. Yeah, I love that. And another thing I'll just add on top of that, I know you guys got this is we're, we're in part one of the four part four pillars here. So we'll make sure to unpack. More podcasts to do <laughs> but the one thing I want to add on top of this is that I truly believe that your business is an external manifestation of what is going on internally. And I love how you guys spend so much time here because again, it goes back to what I said before. People think that it's the tactics. They think that it's all these other things, but really if your business is screwed up, it's chances are there's something wrong inside of your brain. And so pulling that out the first 90 minutes of the day, you know, or, or whatever time that you choose, as long as you're dedicating some time to understand what that language is, I think that's absolutely critical. So that's, that's incredible. Um, so sorry, can I just give a really, uh, just a practical comment immediately to yeah. Disarm any alarms that are going off of like I don't have 90 minutes a day, right? Because Brian touched on it really quickly. I just sure. want to say when it comes, like you have to appreciate we're practiced at this. It's a, like self-awareness is a skill that you have to acquire and you have to practice. We've been doing this for 10 years. So for us, it's three hours a day is a no-brainer, right? But you don't have to you don't have to wait to create three hours a day to start, right? Start with the bare minute, five minutes. Anything is better than nothing. 
And so step into that. Don't try to create perfect because most entrepreneurs have that perfectionistic thing, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be started. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I don't want to leave people hanging. So what is the, what is the second pillar uh, after learning your language? Well, the second one and now, so learn your language is the one pillar that helps us deconstruct what we think we know to be true. The remaining three pillars help us reconstruct a different narrative and a different perspective. And this is all very neurologically centric, right? Ben Hardy, you know, Carrie touched on Ben Hardy. He's actually said in writing that the four pillars are the most scientifically valid mindset protocol he's ever seen. So this is all based in neurology and how the brain works. So the second pillar is called count your wins, okay? And it's the most amazing thing, especially with entrepreneurs, but really everybody. At the end of the day, you don't realize it, but you're counting your scars. Yep. Okay, you're counting everything you didn't do perfectly. You're, you're renumerating all the things you didn't do. You're thinking about the things you could have done better. And you're also probably dreading tomorrow. Oh, I got this, and man. So we're not present in any capacity whatsoever, but if we are, we're using that precious presence to lament what wasn't perfect. So counting your wins, literally, we, we prefer people do it at the end of the day, and we prefer you write it down. Enumerate everything you did that day that took you one degree forward on the traction you wanted to make in your health, in your fitness, in your business, in your finances, whatever it might be. There is no win that's too small. And this is a really important point. You do, Counting wins is not about aha moments. Mm-hmm. It's about the cumulative effect of what happens to your brain if you condition it to see things from a different perspective. We actually just finished an entire course called the Neurology of Coaching where we're teaching professional coaches how to understand the brain science of their clients. And this was a point that was made in that course that – we have neural pathways, and these pathways are very, what are they? They're, they're common, meaning the more we've used a certain line of thinking, the more ingrained that pathway is. Yep. We have to shift those pathways. We have to start channeling the brain's attention and reformatting it to see things from a different perspective. And so counting your wins is disgustingly powerful as an immediate change agent, meaning within two days, if you do it for two days in a row, you start to see the world and yourself from a bit of a different angle. And that can become contagious to the point you want to count wins more and more and more. So that's part of what we do in our own afternoon together is we basically tell each other how awesome we are. (laughs) I know it sounds ridiculous, but like, if you were a fly on the wall when we're talking with each other every afternoon, you'd think we're the most arrogant asses on the planet. But it, you need to frame your life and yourself in a way that shows its beauty, shows the traction you're making, and counting wins does that. You know, I, I won't elaborate on counting wins. I'll, I'll take the next one. But I'll, I'll just add um, – I just want to add this comment because Brian has said it like – multiple times and I really have to reinforce this like neurologically sound the brain just follows it we have got countless case study after case study after case study of people like completely 180ing their lives simply by doing the four pillars and I'm talking without any other hands-on coaching like absolutely going from like destitute homeless broke abused etc etc to complete other opposite side of the world in, in, a, in a matter of like months to a year, right? Just by doing it. So like the power of the four pillars is we design them in a way that if you just do it, it works. 
Yeah. So it's like, don't overthink it. Just do it. You know, like I have one client who always refers to me I, I, when I coach him as my, his antibiotic. He's like, I don't know what it does. I don't want to know why it does it. I just do it. And it works. And so that's the power of the four pillars for me is that like, if you just show up in them, you're going to see the changes because the brain naturally is going to change that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and, and I know, I know from my work working with Jonathan, there's something called Hebb's law. And that is the neuroscientific basis of this is that neurons that fire together, wire together. So it's exactly. like when you are creating a new neural pathway in your brain, you're starting a new uh, learning project. It's like your, your neurons haven't wired together yet. Cause you haven't used it yet. And again, like you said, every single day, Brian, we're counting our scars. And so if that's what you're wiring your brain to understand, your neurons are literally forming. It's becoming more efficient at, at, at that pattern in your brain. And so counting your wins is the exact opposite of that. So I absolutely love that. Can I, can I just add one more key to the neurological piece that I I'm in love with, with this quote. So and here's something maybe most people don't realize about your brain, okay, everybody's brain. The human brain is not descriptive, it's predictive. Okay, so you mentioned neurons firing together, and that is that that catalyzes the directness to the reticular activating system of what you see in the world. Right? It's been said in poetry, the world is not as as you don't see the world as it is, you see it as you are. Right. But neuroscience proves that to be true, that the brain is not describing to you what the world is mm. or what you are. It's giving you a prediction of what you've told it matters most. Yeah. So if you're constantly counting scars, it will show you more evidence of scars. If you are conditioning it to count wins, it'll show you more evidence of wins. The human brain is predictive. It's not descriptive. And that's huge. You know, um, I love that you asked us one question, yeah. by the way. Like, <laughs> one question, Brandon. Um, and, and I'm going to let you just keep going with the pillars because I have more to add. So we'll just flow this way. But I want to say this, um, you know, because when we do interviews, we really like giving everybody as much bang for their buck from an education standpoint, but also an implementation standpoint. And so I want to say this, because um, I think it's super important that whatever neural pathway has been firing for 25 years. So let's just say, for example, for 25 years, you've had a story of like around money and you're worried about money and stressed about money and it's, you're going to go broke and are you going to make enough money? And this isn't whatever, right? And you start counting your wins for like three, four, five days and things don't change inside of that scope. Because like, obviously consciously right now, we're all like, well, of course they're not going to change in three to four days. But unconsciously, when you start doing the work and you don't see that immediate, complete overhaul, people abandon it because they have this expectation of that immediate gratification, right? So appreciate the, the unconscious process and the neuroscience behind it. You spent however many reps practicing that old story that does not serve you, that pattern, that behavior, that thought, that neural pathway, that story is ingrained. You have to get the reps in and you have to practice on the other side as well. Whatever you practice grows, whatever you practice, you get better at it. And currently everybody usually has really a lot of practice on the negative side. Yeah. So you've got to increase that on the, on the other side with regards to the four pillars. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should I just jump to pillar three? Yeah, let's go for it. You want to do it or should I? You do it. I'll just add. Like, I'm having fun over here adding yeah, the comments. This is fun. This I agree. is not the way you normally flow on these, but it's fun. It's because Brendan's so good at this. That's why. Yeah. All right. So, pillar number three is uh, it's called Imagine Your Outcome. 
Okay, imagine your outcome. Now, typically when we tell adults that we want to, them to imagine the outcome they want on a regular basis, most adults look at us like we're crazy. Like, wait, you want me to daydream? You want me to play pretend? And our answer is yes, 1,000% That's exactly what we want. And there's a lot of reason why that's true, okay? The first thing you have to know is that research has shown that the average North American adult has about 72 daydreams per day. Okay, 72 daydreams per day. The vast majority of which are anxiety-driven, meaning we're worried about things that haven't happened yet, which is an imagination, right? right? We're worried about money. We're worried about what if COVID, what if this. It hasn't happened. Right now where I am sitting here, none of that's happened. So we're creating anxiety by projecting into the future with a negative or non-serving imagination or daydream. All we're asking you to do is change the balance of that. If you already imagine slash daydream 72 times a day, why not make it good? Why not make it the dream you want? Why not take the power of that imagination and plant a seed that teaches your unconscious narrative what it is you want to happen, not what you're afraid might happen. Now, everybody from Albert Einstein has said, imagination is life's coming attraction. Again, it's not poetry. It's not metaphysics. It's straight up science. There's a lot of people who still kind of buy that, that um, what's that word, that slogan or that quote that uh, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. It's not fundamentally true. The unconscious mind doesn't really believe or disbelieve anything. It accepts what you tell it. That's it. Mm. So if you tell your unconscious mind with enough repetition or you give it a story or a narrative or an imagination with enough repetition, the unconscious simply accepts that that's real. It's a, it's a factor of reality. And when that becomes your new unconscious story, it impacts the human brain. And, the, and the, the human brain's job is to carry out in actions, habits, and behaviors what the unconscious is telling it is happening. So imagine your outcome. Daydream. Meditate, but proactively imagine the business you want. What does it look like at the end? What kind of money is involved? What kind of uh, impact have you had? How do you feel knowing you did all this and that you're the founder, you're the creator? Imagine that routinely and on a regular basis. And I could go into practicality, but I think you should. Sure, that's where I'm going to go. You know, so you have to appreciate, everybody listening right now has to appreciate that we could literally talk for probably a full day on each pillar if we had to, right? So I'm looking for like the the best way to set people up to take it and use it today. Um, The first thing I want to, so I'm going to kind of give some cliff notes around imagination. The first thing I want to say is that if you find yourself having a hard time imagining three to five years into the future, bring it closer to home. Bring it, and that's actually a brain, a, neuro, a neurological thing as well. The brain, if, if you imagine too far outside of its scope of believing it, like, you know, that whole notion, mm-hmm. your brain will actually shut you down because it's just too, it's too, it's too not possible. 
So if you can imagine, you know, for example, if you're trying to build, let's just say a $3 million company, I'm just going to keep going with company. If you're trying to build a $3 million company and every time you start to imagine having a company that's successful, all that happens is you get triggered and you get slammed sure. so much so that you just don't even bother imagining it anymore. Bring it closer to home. Imagine, imagine hitting a five, a five figure month or even a four figure month. Because the truth is, is you have to go through all of those to get there anyways. Right. right? So if you find yourself unable to reach too far into the future, come closer. And, and that actually brings me to the other, the other side of imagination that I don't think people harness nearly enough is the day to day, right? Yes, we all have these big visions for what we want in business and what we want in our life and what we want to create. But the only way you're ever going to get them is by showing up today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And when it's, it's so funny when I tell like entrepreneurs and people like, what I want, you know, you're, you're, you're dreading getting up early in the morning to start your day, blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe you should practice just imagining your morning flowing differently. And, and people are like, Oh my gosh, we're like, stop imagining dreading the workout. And they're like, I never thought about using it that way. Right. So you can imagine near or far, whichever one feels best to you. And then the process of doing it, do set into the environment that feels good for you. If you want to lie down and meditate with your eyes closed, I personally imagine really well when I'm in movement. So like if I'm walking or, I mean, I kind of chronically imagine all the time, but in the shower, putting your makeup on, going for a drive, pick a spot that is your routine that you do every day. So if you take a shower every day, commit to every day in the shower, you're purposely driving your thoughts and your imagination to what you're creating, and what the outcomes are going to be. Yeah. Just add one thing to that, because I like the way you said that about don't push it too far if there is a resistance to it. That's the thing. We want to avoid cognitive dissonance, which is a fancy way of saying resistance. So if you do start to imagine deep into the future, $3 million company, you feel resistance, then bring it back. Yeah. Bring it a little closer to the next goal, but keep the imagination stoked for what you want, not what you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my personal way of doing things, but I found that I work best when I set a big goal and then I work in two week sprints. And that's kind of like, so I have like a vision for where I'm going, but the fact that I'm only working in two weeks makes it super tangible. And then I can be like, what are the three outcomes that I want by two weeks from now? And it's so much easier to visualize and imagine than thinking five years. I think they're both important, but you're right. I think the bringing it closer is definitely something that I found to work really well for me. You know, first of all, that was great. Um, but what you did and didn't even realize it is that you actually just explained our last pillar perfectly. Awesome. <laughs> so imagine, imagine your outcome. We want you to project. Like when, when we uh, work with counsel or um, consult with small businesses, we're forever helping them understand that their business is a three to five year plan. Like it's, let's not talk about revenue streams in the next six weeks. Let's talk about where your company is being built for three to five years. So projecting into the future matters in many ways. But the last pillar, Brandon, is exactly what you just said. It's called review your direction. And what we do is that even though we're asking you to plant an imagination into the future as far as you can, bring it back close to home every single day. So every week we're huge. I know millennials are into tech. I get it. But we're massive fans of pen and paper on this one. Okay. It can be as simple as this. When you wake up every morning, write down your objectives for the day. Yep. That's it. What do you need to accomplish today? Don't make it complex. Don't make it confusing. 
Don't make it 17 things. Entrepreneurs love task lists, which means they love being busy but not productive. So I love your two-week quantification. Over the next 14 days, what are my three objectives? And then every day, take a moment to actually isolate what that day's objective needs to be. It's unbearably powerful to put yourself into a 24-hour cycle. Mm -hmm. What's my job today? Tomorrow's tomorrow, and yesterday's gone. What's my job today? There are so many entrepreneurs have ADD. Every last one of them, they're all over the map. I got this idea, this idea, this idea. I get it, but what's your job today? Mm-hmm. And what, what happens with those last two pillars is imagine your outcome pushes you into the future, but review your direction pulls you back to this moment. That's my three-year game plan, or that's my two-week objective, what matters today. So an amazing thing happens when you uh, organize your brain around that kind of clarity and you put it top of the mind first thing in the morning. It's, the day just rolls with so much more effortlessness. So those are the four pillars. The, the only thing I'll say about that, because we get this comment all the time about direction review, is that oh, it's so boring. It's yes. so redundant. And we're like, yeah, because success is about being repetitive and being consistent and being simple. Mm-hmm. It's good. Like if you want to get six pack abs or whatever, you lose 20 pounds. It's it's doing the same things every day consistently, right? So it is redundant. Direction review is, is 100% redundant and it's what people notice all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this so much in so many ways. And you guys have had, we've had conversations about this plenty of times, but the thing that I think that is so apparent to me as I'm spending more and more time in this is that people think that they need more clarity and clarity is power. I always believe that clarity, next level growth always comes through clarity and people miss the part oftentimes that like you need to have quick cycles, learning cycles. So many people set a year goal in the beginning of the year, they wait a year and they're like, Oh, that didn't work. What did I learn? (laughs) Whereas like if you do it daily or if you do it weekly, the more clear you, you come clear, every single two weeks or every single day that you do this. That's incredibly powerful. You know, one of um, this, this year, 2020 obviously has been a year. <laughs> yes. You could insert whatever definition you want. It's been a year of growth expansion. It's been amazing for us, if I were to be honest with you, but it, it's, it's presented us with a lot of needs to adapt like everybody else. Right. And um, what, you know, I was supposed to compete in fitness back in April and my, I had prepped for it six months, was ready to go. My show got canceled, obviously. Then I was supposed to compete in June. Show got canceled again. Um, and then my coach told me like, you're not prepping again or stepping on stage till 2021. Like you need to go into recovery. So all of a sudden I was ready to get on stage and had to not, and then have to wait a whole year to get on stage. And I, and I remember when I went through this transition, I remember when the show got canceled, my first call was to my, my coach. And I was like, okay, this is what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, this is what we're doing. And somebody said to me, like, they're like, wow, like, how did you make that decision so quickly? And I said to them, I was like, well, I guess, you know, this, I came up with this, this, this term for myself that decisions are made in the vision. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this year has been a year for me of that. Like, you know, when people say to ask me questions like, how are you so easy to say no to people or yes to people? It always comes back to me about the clarity of vision. Yep. And, and that's where imagination comes in. Right. That's that whole cl- that bigger clarity. 
Like we know, and I know, and Brian knows for himself individually, where we're going, what we want, what we're creating. You can't commit to a daily process if you don't know what your vision is. You know, Brian has this great quote, hold the vision, trust the process, commit to today. The problem is, is that if you don't have a vision, you can't commit to today. Because what are you committing to, right? So that that gaining that clarity, that vision, that imagination of that where you're going is so essential to all of this. I'm, so I'm really curious to hear you guys' opinion on this because I feel like sometimes, depending on what level of business you're at, you're able to create bigger visions the more experience you have. And sometimes people are getting started or people that are earlier on in their business and they're like, I don't really know what the vision should be because like they don't really almost have a conceptual frame for that. And in my opinion, your vision gets clear as you move. Like it, it may be intimidating to think, oh, three, five years out, but it's like, okay, if that's intimidating for you, let's just try to make some movement, some progress here. And then after you go through these cycles many times, then you can create bigger and bigger visions. So do you guys agree with that? Disagree with that? How do you guys perceive things when it comes to being able to have the ability to create bigger visions? Not only do I agree with it, I, I felt like I was just listening to myself. <laughs> I swear, I have given that statement and or that advice a million times in my life that clarity um, never comes from stagnation. People think clarity is about sitting down with a notebook uh, and trying to map things out. It's not the way clarity is built. Um, it, I, I wrote a book called Mindset Matters Most, and I talk about this concept in that book. And I used an analogy because I, I, I believe that people remember stories more than they remember specifics or data. So what I, I pulled on, you know, some experiences and some friends of mine and relatives who are, are very like environmentally um, organized and, you know, some of them are hunters. And I remember hearing this story more than once and it really occurred to me how perfectly this depicts what you just said. So, you know, there's there's this thing in, in, in game hunting. So if you think about like a hawk, okay? A hawk is trying to track a bunny or a rabbit. Go, and the rabbit's moving. And the hawk is 5,000, 3,000 feet above it, okay? That's a really hard thing to track because it's not going in a straight line. Right. So what, what the predator does, what the hawk does is it makes large circles around this kind of imaginary circumference of, of you know, the, where the bunny is is in the middle of this big circle. But the hawk just continues making this circle and adjusting the circle as the rabbit moves different directions. And as it's slowly circling, it's descending at the same time. Mm. And so what ends up happening is this perfect moment, right, when the hawk grabs the bunny. But that entire hawk grabbing the bunny came because – the hawk went in motion and it started to adapt and track. And slowly as it came down, it tightened the circle and it just kept adapting and tightening, adapting and tightening, and then boom, right? The hawk didn't sit in the tree and look at the bunny and say, I wonder where this thing's going to end up. Maybe I should try to figure it out before I actually get in the air. And I know that sounds a little trite, but I take a lot, uh, you know, I, I, I teach a lot from the Tao Te Ching. The Tao Te Ching references nature. So I take a lot of wisdom from nature, and I look at the way the world naturally works. And I try to replicate it in my business. And that, that story has always been such a glaring illustration for me that clarity is always found in motion. 
Mm. Always. It's never found through stagnation. So it's a long way of me saying you're spot on and I cannot agree with you more. Awesome. Do you have something you wanted to add on that, Carrie? I mean, of I, course. I could always add. You know, <laughs> I, I, the, the simplicity is I agree completely. And, and, I, and it always like, I, I find it staggering. I mean, I don't find it staggering because we work in mindset, so we get it. <laughs> like we understand why people right. ask questions. Well, how am I supposed to do this? And they, they hold themselves back before they start. Like I have never found an answer without just moving and getting going. And like, you, you know, I always kind of know the umbrella of what I'm creating, but like, you know, like uh, to give you, and here's the thing that I think is so fascinating is that when you have the umbrella, right? Like I love physique training. It's my thing. I've been doing it for years. Um, five years ago when I stepped back into it after taking a little bit of time off, I didn't really know where I was going infinitely. I just knew that I wanted to get back into physique training, right? And just by stepping in bit by bit, bit by bit, I accomplished way more than I ever imagined I could accomplish because I didn't try to narrow myself into a specific, this is it, right? I just started. And, yeah. and Ryan and I used to have this conversation all the time is that like when you just get moving, there always seems to be something even better than what your imagination was <laughs> yes. able to conceive of. 100%. You know, like five years ago when I stepped back into this, I wasn't even planning on getting back on stage. And all of a sudden now my plan is to win a world title. Right. And, and so I was, it wasn't even in my realm of consideration five years ago. I just had a vision. So have the vision start going. The specifics are going to figure it out along the way. That's so powerful. Well, I know uh, you guys got to get going here in eight minutes. So I, I don't want to ask another huge question. And then we have another hour here. So there's so much there's, I, I want to have a, we'll have to have maybe a follow-up conversation because there's so much wisdom you guys have about the, your approach to raising kids and, and your approach to growing your business in, in other ways. So I guess another, uh, as we have eight minutes here, what are some of the most common misconceptions you guys see in the mindset world that, that you think you would want people to avoid um, just because we're, we're so plagued with so much content and misinformation out there, but you guys have seen so much. So what are some of the biggest things you think people should avoid? Okay, my first one is that I think sometimes people think that the breakthrough moment is the everything moment and that answers come from the breakthrough. Mm. Answers don't come in the breakthrough moment. Clarity might come in the breakthrough moment, but then you have to move into accountability and adaptation. The job does not is not finished in the breakthrough moment. And I see so many people have that epiphany moment and then three months later are in the same space because they think the breakthrough is the answer. And I, that's a huge one that I see. Here's another one. Positive affirmations don't work. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of clinical research done and I believe the physician's name is Dr. Sophie Henshaw in Australia. And she's shown that um, positive affirmations, which are long-standing self-help guru territory, they actually create conflict resistance and um, cognitive dissonance. Mm. If we're trying to affirm something consciously that our unconscious disagrees with fully sure. or doesn't accept, well, now we're creating resistance and that actually makes things much worse. So that, that'd be a huge one for me. Another one for me is the superficiality of it all. I, I mean, really, I don't mean to sound like, you know, condescending in, in the least, but I see it especially on social media, like, and if I see one more video of someone twerking because they, you know, are, they're vibrating at a point that you, you know, blah, blah, like, it's just so, it's so nonsensical, like real mindset work is slow, it's deliberate, uh, it's critical, it's important, 
but it, it doesn't have, it's a funny thing, like our entire EYL Eliminate Your Limits model is based on both where science and spirituality meet. And, and what both of those varying things show us is that the greatest, the greatest work, the greatest creativity, uh, the greatest effortlessness, which is not being forced, comes in a very neutral state, right? Neutrality is what we're after. And that, that sounds boring to a lot of people because they want to, they want to say things like I'm vibrating at a level and they want to jump up and down on chairs and pump their fists. It's, it's state regulation nonsense. Like I can create a physiological state where I'm really excitable, but it, what goes up comes down. And so we, we've, we've got to get away from the superficiality of it all. We've got to get away from the state control. And what I mean by state control, that sounds very governmental. Like the physiological highs, you know, we get from those seminars. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. It really is. It's, it's a crash waiting to happen. That's all it really is. And so neutrality is not sexy. But really, in terms of mindset and self-help, that's where you want to be. Very relaxed, very neutral. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I got a good one. I, got, I actually have two. Um, I had a pick which one I wanted to go with first. Um, okay, so people might not like me for this one, but I'm just going to say it. Go for it. Um, your gut is not always right. Good one. Your ego is not always evil. And your heart doesn't always lead you in the right direction. Um this one is like cringy for me. Really it, it really, it, it, it's a challenge for me um, because if I have a history of an abusive relationship with men and some person walks by me and I have a reaction and I say, well, my gut told me that guy was dangerous. No, my bias told me that guy was dangerous and my bias is movable. And a lot of times people use gut, heart and ego responses um, as an excuse for why they are where they are. And, and that's that superficiality of really understanding exactly. ourselves. There are lots of times I might say that I trusted my gut, but you have to understand like what is driving your gut, your heart and your ego, right? Like though that's, what's important. And we have two distinctions inside of our, inside of our lessons, bound nature and free nature. Bound nature is the, the accumulation of your influences, your perceptions, your experiences, everything over your lifetime that has built up your unconscious mind is your bound nature. My free nature is how I was born into this world. It's my state of purity, right? Very few of us live in that state of complete free nature. So when I'm saying I'm trusting my gut, am I, am I, is that coming from a bound nature driver or a free nature driver? And I think it's a dangerous place that people lean into without fully understanding what it means and never really getting into that space of being able to, like, I think you can trust your gut, your heart, your feet, all of those things. But I think you have to learn how to understand and differentiate yeah. who is talking when your gut's talking to you. I think that was my favorite one. Cause I, I'm always critical of that one. I, yeah. uh, intuition. Yeah. Intuition's a thing, but you have to be qualified to access it properly. Yeah. And that's not a shot because Carrie said it perfectly. We all have natural bias. That's the way the brain works. That's the way the unconscious story is written. And that's fine. That's human nature. But far too often, 
We're, we're, we're simply saying things like my intuition, my gut, my heart, but we're not realizing the unbelievable bias we're bringing to the situation. And that's why we're perceiving we got an intuitive response. Right. Yeah. And that's a huge one. Absolutely massive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this brings it all together because we started in the very beginning with the C.G. Young quote that until you make the conscious unconscious conscious, it will control your life. And there was a, a bunch of other that I didn't grab in the, in the typing, but like that, that is so powerful because that wraps everything together. I think that from the beginning to the end, that really the, the next level in your life, eliminating your limits as Brian Carey always teaches, always uncovering the unconscious and bringing it to help you to uh, take things to the next level. So last question, last final, really quick questions. If you can kind of put everything on a bumper sticker, would that be what it is? Or do you want to add something else? And then where can people find out more about what you guys are working on? Good question. Bumper sticker. You think about that. Let me just quickly say, people can find us on Instagram at Eliminate Your Limits um, or at Eliminate Your Limits Coaches Only or on Facebook at Brian Perry. Okay, awesome. bumper sticker. I got it. It all reduces down to this one sentence. Tell a better story. That's it. You need to internalize a better story of yourself and for your prospect or your potential. And if you do that consistently and relentlessly, everything changes. Mine is a quote I have on my shoulder from this guy. Oh, yeah. Go within or go without. Wow. So powerful. There's, and there's so many layers to those. That's the beauty of the bumper sticker because there's so many layers to each of those things. So I, I appreciate you guys so much. It's been so incredible having you guys on and you guys have been such great positive influences in my life. So it's been an honor to learn from you guys and to have you guys and share you with my audience. So thank you guys so much for being here. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much, Brandon. Cheers, Cheers. Hey, it's Brandon here again. And I have a quick favor to ask before you head off. And that is if you are listening to my voice right now, and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.